All right, welcome to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host, Rick Solom. In studio with me, Viterbo. I guess I should have asked you what your 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 position there is. I'm a political scientist at Viterbo, right? Uh, Keith Knudsen. Yeah, I'm a faculty member uh, in uh, the history department. Okay, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk. Who knows what we're gonna talk about? But for one. There's a, would you call it a gerrymandering meeting tonight or anti-gerrymandering or however you want to? Sure. Uh, at 7 o'clock in our nursing building, room 196, the League of Women Voters, uh, this is the, uh, they're sponsoring this event. This is their third session uh, on a, uh, an advisory referendum, which will be on the April 2nd ballot. It's asking voters uh, if they would like the uh, state legislature to create a, a new system of drawing Congressional district lines, that's for the national level representation. We have eight representatives. And then for our state legislative district lines, uh, this is uh, constitutionally in the hands of every state legislature. Um, One state legislature uh, in Iowa uh, decades ago extracted itself from this and created a nonpartisan process of drawing these lines so that uh, uh, elected politicians wouldn't be manipulating these lines and then, uh, as we say today, picking their own voters to stay in office. Yeah, it seems like the easiest thing. Hey, do you want to get the Democrats and the Republicans out of drawing their own lines? Like, that seems like sure. the, the, the easiest way. Yes, I would like that to, to not happen anymore. So in Iowa, the state legislature does approve the lines constitutionally. Every state legislature has to make this vote. The lines that are created in Iowa are done by a, a nonpartisan, independent uh, agency of the government, and uh, by law, they are not allowed to take into consideration what are the voting behaviors in counties or neighborhoods. They draw the lines so that they are logically consistent for the citizens who are going to be in whatever the representative district is. One could say that Iowa, it's not working in Iowa because, like, Steve King is still in power there. Like, one would... Well, I, I don't... I, I, I don't, I'm kidding, but... <laughs> sure. Um, uh, if one is uh, opposed to the ideas of Steve King, or if one is in favor of them, drawing the district lines will not necessarily determine what the voting outcomes are going to be. In gerrymandering, the elected officials are trying to predetermine what those outcomes will be. You're right. Um, what else? What else would be like? Is, is, is that the main focus of tonight's meeting? Is there any like subshoots from that? Or well, of course, uh, uh, how is this to be done? Um, this uh, on the ballot April second. This is an advisory referendum, so it is not legally binding. It's only in two counties, La Crosse and Vernon. Six counties previous to this, uh, at a, with a seventy percent margin, voters have supported this non-binding referendum instigation to the legislature. Hey, get out of drawing the the, the district lines. We, the voters, want to have fair elections. We want our choices to determine who's going to represent us and make the laws. We don't want the people in the state legislature every 10 years drawing these lines to advantage themselves. Um, Is the wording on the referendum? So when the Pratt tax or whatever you want to the premier resort area tax was on the referendum a couple a couple of times. The wording was really funny. You looked at it and you're like, uh, that sounds good to me. Make tourists t- pay for our roads. Um, it, uh, the wording didn't look super funny to me when I look at the referendum question, but 
I think it's pretty think? straightforward. I can't read it to you. I didn't bring a copy. I apologize. Um, but it's saying it's asking the voter, do you want the legislature uh, to devise uh, some way of drawing these lines so that the legislators themselves and, of course, the majority party um, in control of the legislature at that moment is not going to be drawing the lines? The Better Hearing Talk and Text Line, 608-785-7914. Uh, we're going to do news quick, and we'll come back, and we'll we'll hit on that and some other things on Lacrosse Talk PM. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host, Rick Solom. 608-785-7914 is the Better Hearing Talk and Text Line. And right away, uh, fan favorite, Eric for Sparta. Uh, Eric, go ahead. And Stone Temple Pius, great bummer music. I love those guys. Anyway, yeah. I had a question for Mr. Knutson about uh, the uh, connection between the gerrymandering and uh, the Electoral College. Now, wasn't before it was always notable for the party in power to always be the ones who elect Electoral College. Is that correct? The Republicans did it and the Democrats did it. Is that not true? Eric, I I think we should understand the Electoral College exists out of the presidential election scheme devised by our founders. I understand that, but let me me interrupt. Just a second. Let's keep it short as I can. Now, do you support abolishing the Electoral College, personally yourself, being a liberal as you are? Um... I think the popular vote is a, a vital element of the uh, in other words, d- Democratic you don't Foundation. Support, but, you don't uh, support the uh, Electoral College. So in other words, the, the West Coast and East Coast and Chicago and Florida, the major population states can completely ignore the flyover states because they have no voice at all in, in what, who's electing the President of the United States. Well, uh, Eric, I think I would say there's a connection between gerrymandering and the Electoral College. Uh, The founders constructed a system for electing president and also uh, senators and the House of Representatives, to some extent based upon the population of a particular state. That's in the House, proportional representation. But then uh, geography is important. That is, every state uh, gets two Electoral College votes because every state uh, gets two U.S. senators. But then the rest of their electoral college votes are dependent upon how many representatives in the House does the population of the state get. So this, the the electoral, excuse me, Eric, if I may finish, the electoral college um, does indeed skew uh, advantage to states with low population. There are states like both Dakotas. uh, Alaska, where there's only one representative, maybe 800,000, less than a million people, and they get three electoral college votes. Um, so uh, the balance between trying to represent population, whether it's dense or not, and geography, whether it's populated or not, is one of the basic foundations of uh, the discussion we're having here today. That is that is part of the Constitution, is it not the... Uh, uh Electoral College, part of the written in the Constitution, is that correct? That is correct. Well, what, what do they have to do to, liberals have to do to get rid of the Electoral College? Then? They have a constitutional convention? Or, or, uh... Well, uh, the, the founders provided an avenue to amend the Constitution, and if enough people 
uh, in enough states supported uh, disbanding the Electoral College, there could be an amendment to the Constitution to end it. It's not very likely because um, three-quarters of the states have to ratify an amendment, and uh, I think there are at least a dozen states getting uh, a, a, an advantage in, voice, in the voice for electing a president because uh, their populations are so low that uh, they get, uh, uh, I'm going to say, a disproportionate voice. This is how, of course, uh, Hillary Clinton could win almost three million more votes than Donald Trump in the popular vote. Um, but uh, uh, President Trump then won the Electoral College quite handily, uh, winning by very narrow margins in Pennsylvania and Michigan and here in Wisconsin. This is indeed the system the founders uh, have gifted us with. The idea of having that idea of like only if if we didn't have an electoral college, they would people would only campaign in California, New York, uh, the, Chicago. Is that, would, would, do you think that's that's what would happen? I suppose it's a little bit like Willie Sutton. Why do you rob banks? You go where the money is. So I suppose when you campaign, you go where the voters are. Um, but the way the system is working now. Um, presidential candidates are primarily uh, campaigning in swing states. Right. So that uh, when states have a, a, a fairly predetermined outcome, California is predominantly Democrat, uh, uh, Democratic, I should say, and uh, uh, Texas is predominantly Republican, um, the presidential candidates may not go there because the, the, the voting tendencies of the citizens are, are, are sort of baked into uh, what's going to be the outcome in that particular state. So candidates are going to go to swing states wherever they are. We're talking with Keith, Keith Knutson, political scientist at Viterbo University. Um, and uh, tonight there is a meeting at Viterbo in the nursing, what are we calling that? Nursing the, center. The nursing center, uh, room 196. Room 196. Uh, on gerrymandering in Wisconsin, there's a referendum on the ballot April 2nd to uh, to make that a bipartisan, to, to make gerrymandering. I would say make it non-partisan. 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 Okay. Now, there are some states with commissions where they do attempt a, a bipartisan effort, and uh, those get a little bit muddied up as well. This Iowa model is quite attractive because, by law, the commission drawing the lines may not take into consideration political positions of people in areas. Um, so polit- political choices, voting behaviors, in no way, shape, or form can determine the outcome of the district lines drawn for the House of Representatives. Iowa has four. And then uh, out of those districts, uh, uh, every state legislature, and, and now we're talking about Iowa, they would draw their own state legislative district lines. Um, what's the last state? Is Arizona the last state to, to do this, to go from, uh, Ari- Arizona, uh, so states with, uh, binding referendum votes, uh, California, Arizona, four others, um, citizens themselves have through the referendum process been able to, uh, push upon their legislators. We don't want you drawing the lines, but the state has to have a binding referendum process, that's something that um, east of the Mississippi, I don't think any state has a referendum available to citizens within those states so that they could make their state legislatures do this. Yeah, it doesn't. See, I mean, we're kind of a ways off from having this having this change, right? Like unless the courts interfere. <clears throat> well, um, uh, when courts make decisions, uh, some people might call it interference. But I suppose constitutionally, the courts are making determinations under the purview of the Constitution, and one might not then deem it an interference. Sure. 
Um, well, uh, first word I came up with. <laughs> uh, so uh, there, the court just heard uh, a case, two cases, one out of Maryland and one out of North Carolina, and this will allow us to be bipartisan in the discussion. In Maryland, uh, the democratically controlled state legislature gerrymandered out of existence um, uh, a Republican member of Congress who'd been there for decades, and they'd been going after him, and they couldn't get it. But after the last census, then, uh, the Maryland state legislature, controlled by the Democrats, drew a district so they could get another uh, Democratic representative that Republican got beat. And they made no secrets about that, right? They kind of like touted, like, ha we're Democrats, and we, you know, we gerrymandered the F out of the maps, and here we are. Yeah, um, and, and that F might stand for a variety of terms. Um, uh, uh, in North Carolina, the Republicans were pretty upfront about their gerrymandering. Thirteen congressional districts, um, ten of them uh, drawn for uh, uh, Republicans to be able to win. Uh, one of those districts, um, uh, a Republican, quote-unquote, won last fall. That election outcome has been... Uh, deemed uh, unworthy of uh, of uh, standing because of uh, accused corruption in the election process, um, but but in North Carolina, then the Republicans were pretty upfront. The guy who was in charge of it all said, "Look, if I could draw a map where we'd get uh, eleven uh, Republicans and only two Democrats, I'd draw that map." But I, he just couldn't figure out how to do it. Right. And look, today these elected uh, legislators have high-powered computer technological capacity to know voting habits down into neighborhoods and even dividing neighborhoods. And so the computer has provided, um, I'm going to call it a a, a new denigration of this map drawing capacity so that um, Republicans or Democrats, this is not a partisan issue. I'm a sports guy. So in the NBA, the NBA has changed its game to go from we need to get the ball inside to the big man and get these close shots, two-pointers, it has now changed this game to, oh, if we shoot more three-pointers, they're worth more points, and we shoot them at a certain percentage, we're, we're going to win the game. So all the teams in the NBA now are shooting three-pointers. So like we're talking about analytics here, the computer process. So I, f- I feel like as the, the you start crunching the numbers more, the computers, everyone's getting everyone's hiring people that are they're smart with the math, right? And they figure out where the voters are. And and then these these maps are getting more and more dangerous, wouldn't you say? As the as the as they get more and more information. Uh, in 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 my estimation, and uh, for me, I, uh, uh, as the caller said, I'm uh, I'm a bit of a liberal. I'm I'm allegiant to a political party, but I don't want to be part of a political party which has to stay in power by manipulating the system. That is contrary to our basic democratic principles. Um, and we can understand politicians wanting to stay in office, and I think we can understand political parties wanting to be able to run their agenda. But whether we're Republicans or Democrats or Greens, um, Libertarians, whatever we are, I would imagine all of us would want our elections to have the integrity of the people serving in the legislative body not drawing the maps so they can stay there. Uh, 608-785-7914 if you want. If you got questions for Keith Knudsen, a Viterbo political scientist, um, it could be about gerrymandering um, you know, or anything else. This guy's an expert in, the, in, in politics, obviously. So if you got other questions, uh, uh, you know, Eric's always talking about the Electoral College, maybe about how Governor Evers is doing. Do you have any opinions on, on that? He, like, he's a new governor. Sometimes I wonder 
when we give him a hard time, uh, hey, he hasn't been governor before. Shouldn't we should give him a little bit of time to get get it figured out, right? Um, we generally talk about a honeymoon period for newly elected, especially executives, presidents, governors. Um, I think Governor Evers is uh, still uh, riding a little bit of that honeymoon period. Um, of course, at the end of last calendar year, uh, after Evers uh, won the governorship, the the legislature, and then uh, passed bills, and Governor Walker signed them into law, uh, specifically designed to curtail uh, Evers' uh, powers as governor. He's been gifted with a couple of uh, uh, court cases uh, which have ruled that uh, the legislature did indeed overstep its bounds. Of course, those court cases are going to probably be appealed. We'll see what happens on appeal, and as they move up uh, uh, our judicial system. Uh, so far, uh, my estimation is uh, Tony Evers has, uh, as he did during the campaign, portrayed a, a, a very judicious uh, uh, disposition and uh, uh, talking about wanting to do best for the people of Wisconsin. Yeah, and you talk about a honeymoon period. He's like, okay, this is what I got to work with. Oh, you guys are going to change all the rules on me. Now I got to now I got to a fight these new rules. B try to overturn these old rules, and then when I get the rules that are going to be the rules, then I'll start to figure it out. So look, the governor is in a, a situation of divided governance. Uh, he, as a Democrat, he's the chief executive. The uh, legislature and both the assembly and the Senate controlled by the Republicans. The presumption is that there will be compromise in what bills Evers will sign into law. That is, the Republicans and the Democrats at uh, in Madison now have to find their way of um, what issues do they want to work on and how much will each side compromise to get some element of what they're aspiring to achieve in, in their governing roles. Um, we're going to take a call if you want to throw them headphones on. Oh, you got them on. Never mind. I was like, where are they? Oh, they're wearing them. Uh, hey, caller, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious on um, your speaker's interest in professor's bipartisan stance. I mean, uh, from when I was in college, it was very, very liberal. And then it seemed like if you weren't that liberal, then man, you're the problem. Has it changed 10 years later? I'm just kind of curious on where, and then also, should a professor be bipartisan? Okay. It's a state college. For Turbo's not, obviously, but um, but state college and stuff like that. I just, I always felt like an outcast at that situation, but yeah, I'd, I'd like to listen. Well, if I knew you were a conservative, I wouldn't have let you ask the question. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll let Keith answer. Uh, I'm going to hang up on you and let Keith answer. Thanks. Sure. Yep, absolutely. Sure. Um, uh, different professors are going to approach this topic differently. Um, we are allowed to have our views, but we're not in the classroom to teach our views. Uh, so uh, uh, I think uh, we're obligated to give consideration to um, the perspectives of the students as they want to make their contributions to the classroom. Uh, I, I suppose academia is considered uh, uh, socially, culturally to be uh, somewhat liberal, but um, of course there are institutions within the United States uh, which require people to, uh, to meet certain um, 
let's call them litmus tests to get employed. Uh, we do have religious institutions where um, uh, to be employed, to, to be a, a, an instructor, you have to be of that faith, perhaps, that sort of thing. That's not the case at the institution I work at. Um, uh, so that uh, uh, we are uh, allowed to express our views, but we're, if we're going to do that, we have to be uh, prepared to engage in dialogue with our students because uh, if, we're, if we're teachers, we're, of course, supporters of the very system which is allowing us to teach. That is our national governing system and uh, um, the, the, the cultural mores which uh, go along with that. So any um, instructor, whatever level the instructor is at, um, by the nature of being a teacher, the teacher um, is uh, obligated to be open to opposing views unless the institution is established um, to promulgate uh, the views of only one particular religion or doctrine or um, uh, I'm not aware of any institutions designed for political parties, but it, it, it's possible for an institution to be established to promulgate one particular kind of view. Like the university in North Korea is probably skewed a little one way or the other. Well, the good news for them is they don't have to abide by our constitution. <laughs> uh, we're talking with Keith Knudsen, political scientist at Viterbo. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. 608-785-7914 if you want to get in. Scott's comment and news coming up. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host, Rick Solom. 608-785-7914 if you want to call or text. Actually, I haven't looked at the text yet, so I'll look at those in a minute. Kind of hard being the one-man show. In with me, Viterbo political scientist Keith Knudsen. Uh, we're, t- we're kind of talking about a bunch of different things. Uh, I'm going to fade this out. Uh, from the Electoral College to gerrymandering to... And then we're having our own show in between shows. In between breaks, we're having our own show. Um, again, one, one more time. Do you just want to give the people... Uh, a little heads up on the meeting tonight at Viterbo and, and what's it what what yes. it's about while I answer the phone. Okay, <laughs> yeah, tonight at uh, seven o'clock in our nursing center, uh, room one ninety six, uh, three guests: uh, Matt Rothschild from the Wisconsin Democracy Campaign, Aaron Gruns from the um, League of Women Voters. That's the organization uh, sponsoring the event, and then uh, our own uh, Tara Johnson from Lacrosse, who's the chair of the county board. Um, those three people are going to be talking about gerrymandering, and uh, uh, the session is about supporting the uh, referendum question on the April 2nd ballot. Uh, Would we like to have our legislature extract itself from drawing these uh, district lines? And uh, 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 the question doesn't say how it's going to be done. Of course, that then would, um, if enough counties were to support this uh, referendum movement, uh, then uh, we, the citizens of Wisconsin, along with our elected representatives, would have to figure out how are we going to get this done. My view is um, uh, we would be well advised to follow the Iowa model, which has a commission which is decidedly impartial, nonpartisan. Um, uh, there are no political calculations made in drawing the Iowa maps. I think that's what we in Wisconsin would want certainly growing out of our our progressive tradition. But I also think that we as Americans would want this throughout our country um, so that uh, uh, political parties are not tempted with trying to remain in power um, and uh, subverting the the will of the majority. I think what 
people want to know too going to this meeting tonight and it's really important is are there going to be snacks Um, I uh, attended their session in Holman, and I don't recall uh, snacks, but uh, we are pretty close to the nutrition and dietetics department. Uh, Maybe we could raid their refrigerator. (laughs) Well, and you're driving back from downtown. I mean, you're going to pass a couple of stores. You might want to just pick some up. Rick, I walk from Viterbo downtown. <laughs> oh, you walked from here? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's nice out. That is it's right. It's too beautiful to get in the car. Um, on on the phone right now, uh, we've, we've got Trimple, Tom. Uh, and go ahead, Tom. Okay, well, here's a few comments. Uh, first one is the majority of elected people in right now are Republicans. We uh, Unfortunately, we're given a Democrat governor by Madison, Milwaukee, and La Crosse area. But other than that, it, we have the majority is, is Republican. They do make the decision um, who, uh, how we do uh, do our uh, boundaries for the 10-year um, uh, areas. So uh, I, I think that's a great thing. It might get changed someday. Uh, you know, the majority of the space of Wisconsin is controlled by by uh, Mr. Evers now, but the rest of the state still has power and authority. When the Democrats were in charge, they did the same thing. Not quite as blatant as the Republicans did, but the Republicans did and apparently could legally do what they did. And so so you're progressive, and and you uh, think that maybe it should be done differently so we could elect more progressives, a lot of us don't really see it that way. So I happen to be just like it is, don't want to see change. It will take, I believe it will take a constitutional amendment to change it, and you and your um, the, the people involved tonight, the counties throughout with their recommendation for a referendum, that won't help. Uh, it's a legislature that will put that through, and for now, we have uh, control by the Republicans. So Democrats did it. Now the Republicans are doing it. Uh, Democrats don't like it, uh, but that's the way it is, and I'm glad it's like it is. Okay. Um, Republicans do control the state legislature in both the Assembly and the Senate. Uh, the uh, changing, uh, if we want to change uh, how we're going to draw our district lines, that would not necessarily require a constitutional amendment. This can be done by law. Um, uh, it's not likely to be done by law by the Republican Party currently in control uh, of the legislature. Um, the Democrats are actually winning more votes statewide um, uh, in most of our uh, uh, legislative elections. And so, of course, uh, I would say to this caller, uh, the Republicans control the legislature, but they're doing it through a gerrymandered system. So they're not actually representing um, the, uh, the the will of the people. The will of the people should be balanced to how... Um, how they determine their uh, their votes should determine the, the uh, outcome of these uh, elections. Um, we could uh, put it into our constitution that we would have something similar to Iowa. Iowa has not made it uh, part of their constitution, and so there is the danger that a political party could decide to change the system in Iowa. Um, uh, I would say to the caller. Um, I'm, I'm proud to be a fellow citizen with you here in Wisconsin, but I think uh, each of us should be prepared to engage in the political process 
and accept a legitimate outcome um, of the process, uh, I think any study of politics would show us that uh, a political party, even in a democratic society, which is able to win power and stay in power too long, um, and especially by subverting these representative district lines, which um, the Republicans here in Wisconsin did a bang-up job back in 2011 on this one, um, uh, that is a breeding ground for corruption. Uh, the Democrats were, of course, able to win the governorship. Uh, Tony Evers will then have um, a, a balance against uh, the Republicans in the legislature. But I think this issue on gerrymandering and having fully legitimate elections is not a partisan issue. I think we need to see this as an element of... Um, the ethical foundation of our political system and allowing for gerrymandering is subverting um, mm, the morality of our constitutional apparatus. The, the idea, too, of Tom saying that the Democrats did it and now the Republicans are doing it and he's OK with that because he's Republican. I mean, that's just comical, right? Like, oh, when the Democrats did it, I, w I wasn't okay with it. But now that the Republicans, like, that's, I, I just don't well, see is, how you can. There, there is one element of this drawing of district lines which becomes problematic. Um, in rural areas where people, uh, where, where there's uh, less concentration of population, how will uh, rural areas have a legitimate uh, voice in the legislature? Now, look shouldn't say that that way. It is the case that historically uh, our districts have been um, drawn uh, to the advantage of uh, rural America. Um, uh, the first caller who uh, was upset with the concentration of population on either coast, um, the concentration of population is a, a sociological issue. The Supreme Court has ruled that every voting American citizen, every vote should be equal to, to other votes, all other votes. And so this is the one person, one vote principle. Um, and uh, we, if, we, if we draw lines to engineer results, we're subverting the basic principle of a democratic system where we have free, fair, and regular elections. Well, maybe they're not so fair um, uh, if the outcomes are already predetermined. People who are in the advantage at one point may like it that way, but of course, uh, paybacks come around the corner. Um, paybacks are tough enough in politics. It shouldn't be a payback of, okay, we've won the election uh, after a decennial census, and now we're going to stay in power for a decade. Um, that, that's not a, a, a fair, democratically oriented system. Sure. Uh, we're talking to Keith Knutson, Viterbo University political scientist. Uh, we're going we're gonna to get to uh, your phone calls when we come back in a couple of minutes. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm your host, Rick Solomon. With me, Keith Knutson from Viterbo University. Uh, we're talking about gerrymandering and, and some other things. We got Eric on the line again. Uh, Eric, go ahead. Yes, I want to say that uh, you... Mr. Knudsen, and your three other entities. Where is that at? UWL with Joe Gall, this left-wing liberal indoctrinator of students? Eric, Eric, I'm from... Oh, this is uh, for, Eric, this is for hold on. Is the, the session is at the uh, Terrible University in the Nursing Center, Room 196. Um, it's sponsored by the League of Women Voters, and uh, 
Uh, we've uh, worked in conjunction with the league before to provide these kinds of uh, in information sessions. Uh, and so the, the session is at Viterbo University. Bingo. Indoctrination. Liberal indoctrination trying to make people think that you think that you are nothing more than a liberal trying to destroy our country. You are the person who would take Donald Trump down when out of the swamp out there trying to destroy him. These people out there are trying to destroy our country. Get rid of him because you don't like his politics and mine either. Thanks. So, sure. Eric, I'd like to say that uh, as a fellow citizen of the United States of America, uh, if we could meet, I'd like to embrace you, brother. Um, this is the kind of attitude which is uh, really undermining our society today. Um, we will have political differences, but we have to recognize that um, if we're going to have a civil society, then we have to behave in a civil way. Um, and I would just say one thing about myself. I'm a Navy veteran. I served during the Vietnam War. Um, and uh, 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 I do have my views, and they're probably different from yours. But at root, we have a commonality as being citizens of the United States of America. And I, I think it's, it's time for uh, we Americans to begin to see this, this capacity to come together as opposed to uh, trying to tear one another apart. He likes to throw that liberal, liberal phrase. Like, he likes to call people liberals. And I'm always like... Liberals are kind of like that's a that's like almost a compliment. Well, uh, <laughs> I just taught a class on the French Revolution recently, and uh, liberalism comes up as a a, a new idea uh, right around 1800, and uh, uh, it's emphasizing uh, the dignity of an individual and uh, the the liberty which we should have. Um, and of course, living it with liberty is always a great challenge, uh, but. Uh, well, I'm coming from Viterbo and the foundation of values and principles at that institution. Um, I find quite useful for uh, being able to talk with uh, people with whom I don't agree um, and uh, still uh, find that base value of uh, having more in common than uh, more uh, than what uh, is potentially going to separate us. Uh, we're talking with Keith Knudsen, Viterbo University political scientist. Uh, meeting tonight, 7 p.m., Viterbo Nursing... 196. 196 in the Viterbo Nursing Building. Uh, if you want to meet him, go meet him. Go go listen to, to this talk tonight. Thanks a lot.